0: This is the Matt Report, the voice of WordPress entrepreneurship. If you're running a WordPress freelance business, selling themes, plugins, or client services, this is the place for you. Learn more at mattreport.com and subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe. And now, on to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report special episode. As always, Curtis McHale joining us for the second time on the Matt Report here to talk to us about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, One that was very intriguing to me is when I, uh, Curtis was my second guest ever and one of the most intriguing things was he was never looking to scale his business beyond himself. Uh, Fast forward probably about a year and a half now, and he is ready to sort of build a digital agency, right? A virtual team of folks coming together to build WordPress stuff. Uh, So it's going to be some pretty good insight as to why that changed and what he's doing to take those... Uh, to make those steps forward and to increase revenue so that he can hire people Um, and he's actually recently hired some folks for some administrative stuff and we're going to learn about how he hired and um, what the what it was like to negotiate pay and 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 some actually some downfalls of hiring some of the wrong people Uh, so we're going to talk about that as well very very interesting interesting guest as always does a lot with uh, his own freelance consulting and uh, writing uh, a lot of blog posts around that uh, about productivity, about managing money, about managing time and how, how all of that translates to a better business, right? You're getting better revenue streams, you're getting better clients and in the end, it's all managed uh, time-wise, very efficiently. So, look forward to another great episode with Curtis McHale. Uh, we always love having him uh, be part of the show. Other things happening around the Matt Report, about a week away from WordCamp New York. Well, I'll be there with our executive producer, Lisa Snyder. Uh, look for a blog post that'll sort of outline where we'll be. Uh, we're going to be hopefully meeting up with other Matt Report Pro members that'll be there. Uh, So that'll be exciting to sort of meet folks face to face and sort of have a little powwow session about our WordPress businesses and see how things are going um, and maybe grab some advice from others. So if you're at WordCamp New York uh, in the first weekend of August, uh, do look for us and look for a blog post that'll sort of outline where we'll be and where we're at. So that'll be super, super fun. Uh, Other things I have going on, we're working on a plugin that I'm looking for beta testers, and uh, I'm only doing a closed beta round. Uh, I've blogged about it sort of uh, in the past, and this is more about having agencies, small to medium-sized agencies, or... Developers try to test out this plugin with us in a closed beta. So if that's you, if you're if you're building projects and you're building clients 3,500 and above for these types of projects, we'd, I'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and reach out to me, mattreportblog at gmail.com. And you can just throw a uh, plugin in the subject line. Love to get you this closed beta plugin. I'm gonna be talking more about that pretty soon. Um, it'll just help you build a WordPress site little bit faster, <laughs> a little bit more efficiently. Um, it really is around content and displaying content in unique ways. So I'm excited to get that out. I'm excited to talk about it a little bit more once we have it ready. But again, if you'd like to, if you're interested uh, in testing out this plugin, I am looking for somebody who's working on a project. And again, it's probably good for agencies or developers who are billing out 3500 bucks at the minimum uh, for some kind of custom theme or site uh, with some custom functionality and display of content. So once again, matreportblog at gmail.com. If you want to join the newsletter where we'll, well, I'll be emailing you special either events or uh, interesting articles that I find very helpful for my WordPress business mattreport.com slash subscribe join the mailing list right there you'll see it it's four hours of podcast uh, a month uh, worth millions in advice at least that's the way I like to look at it so again mattreport.com slash subscribe and mattreport.com slash join join the pro membership. It helps support the site, but it's also great for folks who are just start starting out or their intermediate level of their WordPress business. And you're just looking to join a community uh, of other like-minded WordPress entrepreneurs. Grab advice from me, grab advice from others. We do monthly mastermind calls, There's special content and all that good stuff every single month uh, along, of course, with the private forum uh, for members only to sort of ask their questions and get involved with one another. Uh, you can check that out at mariport.com slash join. There's a new annual plan. Uh, for those of you that don't want to be burdened by a monthly billing, uh, though it still is available, uh, you can join the annual plan for a nice discount and uh, all the offerings of the Matt Report Pro plan. So I look to see you there. Again, mattreport.com slash join. And without further ado, let's get on to Curtis McHale. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report. Uh, you know, As always, your host, Matt. And today, I'm here with a repeat offender. I mean, repeat guest, <laughs> Curtis McHale. Uh, was my second guest ever on the Matt Report and we were reminiscing about this the other day, Curtis, when I said I was stalking you uh, on Twitter. I made you feel real comfortable, didn't I? I honestly don't even remember that now. <laughs> I... <laughs> uh, so this time, I have still. You'll, you'll be happy to know that I still stalk you on Twitter, uh, which is probably why you're back. Uh, and uh, yeah, welcome to the program, sir. Good to have you back.
1: Thanks very much. It's nice to be back.
0: Um, there's a lot of stuff I want to cover. There's a lot of things that have changed from the last time that you were on, which was probably over about a year and a half ago at this point. Um, now that we're pressing close to almost 100 episodes of the Matt Report, uh, where've you where've you come since the last time we spoke? Uh, with your freelance business and uh, you know, impending agency stuff that I've been hearing about. What's going on in the Curtis McHale world?
1: Well, I think the biggest change is that, uh, uh, probably the year we did our interview. I Managed to double my revenue mainly by starting to read more, guess more business books. Starting to, I guess I was already in the process at the last interview as well. It's been the biggest change, which has let me take a little bit more time off and given me other things to deal with, like hiring an assistant and dealing with staff. Or I've outsourced a few times and dealt with that and run it well or not run it well, right? Depending on how I have done, not necessarily how the other person has done, because I've hired awesome people.
0: That's nice. Um, Let's talk about that for for a minute now. A lot of folks uh, who are either freelance developers or designers who are just getting into the space are probably not even anywhere near uh, outsourcing and maybe even thinking about the business side of things. Uh, Heck, I'd I'd love to say that this show kind of inspired you to do that, but uh, I know uh, I'm not going to take all the credit for that, but if you give somebody a piece of advice about jumping into the sort of business side of things, getting their sort of life in order to double their rates and bring in more income, uh, what would your what would your one tip be for that person? Stop watching television at night. <laughs> no more Game of Thrones. We're done. Well, uh, I
1: said so coinciding what really started my year of doubling my income is we stopped watching television every night of the week. We started reading business books and We being my wife as well because although she is a stay-at-home mom now, she used to run like a six-figure a month sales floor and ran that for 10 years almost um, and took it to six figures a month from, you know, just under six figures to mid-six figures. So both us, you know, reading business, talking business all the time and being strategic instead of just letting things run around. So, But we had to give ourselves the margin or the time to be able to do that, which we did by not turning the television on at night except for on weekends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think advice like that is 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 awesome because it's it's the little things that you can change right it's like losing weight right everyone's like oh my god i got to lose 6500 pounds and then you start overwhelming yourself about all the things you have to do and then you're cutting out sugars and breads and milk and cheeses and everything and you're down to water and you know dried grass you know for for a week and you're <laughs> And you mm-hmm. hate it, and that' doesn't because you work. Took on so much, um, you know so there there are things like that that can overwhelm uh each each other or ourselves. Um, but when you're reading these books and you're reading all these business books, do you ever feel like it's the same advice over and over again, or do you sort of uh, how do you approach that by studying each book and, and writing an outline? take us down that path?
1: I take a bunch of notes. If you look back, because I've been actually writing about like what I read that month, and if you look back through my blog post after reading the book, you would be like, oh, he talked about this out of the book and this out of the book. I think at every point, you're going to find new things, even in the same, say, the same old business book, right? We read one from 37 Signals called Getting Real Again. It's part of my mastermind group, and I read that years ago, and I read it again. and was like, oh, there's a whole bunch of new things that I hadn't highlighted. And some of the highlights were still good, and some some of the other ones were, you know, Some of them were not good for me now. So in rereading them, even reading similar information because someone else presents it differently and there'll be other things that you pick up that is is interesting to you and applicable to your business as it stands right now.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, What is your favorite business book so far?
1: Favorite business book? Uh, Uh, I think the one that most freelancers... I think the one that most freelancers or agencies should be reading is Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port yeah, uh, exactly. and then Get Clients Now. Those are two. Yeah, two. And I guess the third one I recommend is The Prices Right by Chris Lemma because it's a nice like weekend read and gives you a good overview of all the pricing theory. There's much more complex books, but not that pack as much into 100
0: pages. Right. <laughs> right. That's awesome stuff. Um, speaking of books, you've been doing products and stuff like that. Uh, what's going on with that? What's your, what's your approach to uh, doing products and, and why uh, are you doing products?
1: Well the last book I wrote called Don't Be An Idiot, Run a Viable Business was strictly, came out of last year's WordCamp. I wrote my outline for the WordCamp and realized I was sitting at like 15,000 words and said that's a little more than a presentation probably <laughs> and so I also made a book. And that was like that's how that one started. It kind of just crept up on me after a week, a week and a half of writing, really. I wrote about 15,000 words for the presentation in a week. So we'll see what happens with this WordCamp coming up in two weeks when I have a, stuff on unit testing. and I'm looking at all the resources I have, and it's like a 28-gig Scrivener file of wow. all the videos and all the other stuff that I have accumulated to just cr- put together a good presentation for it. So it may be another book.
0: Is, is Scrivener one of the best tools for writing a book?
1: I think so. Um, I don't love how it supports some Markdown and some other nerdy things that some people may or may not care about. But as far as organizing your resources, being able to easily move chunks around, it is by far the best tool. Mm. Wish it had a Mac or an iPad version, which has been coming for years, but we shall see. I hear from people in the know that they've seen like actual demo versions when they've met the developers at WWDC recently, but there's nothing more concrete than
0: that. Uh, A lot of freelancers out there especially in the WordPress space are building their products on the side and they might be themes or plugins. Uh, In your case uh, it it is a digital product, it is an an e-book and and doing some mastermind stuff and probably some business consulting at this point because of all the stuff you've been talking about on your blog. What's that balance like? Um, How do you approach it from splitting your time between client services work product building work, uh, marketing, strategies? How do you kind of divvy that all up? I'm
1: not sure that I do have a good strategy currently. That's something that I'm working on right now. I was recently listening to the Sean West podcast, and he was talking about, and this is an older episode because I dug through like 20 of them and listened to like all 20 as I've been riding back and forth like in out of Vancouver, which is a four-hour bike ride. At double speed for podcasts, and I've been listening to them. You talk about the overlap technique, so concentrating, say, on your consulting business for so for say two or three years, and that's all you do. You skip all the other stuff. That's all you do, and you get it running so smoothly that you, you know, that you can just basically turn on your client funnel and get a couple clients coming through the door quite quickly, or you have a couple people underneath you moving over into your other, say, some of your other info products, and concentrating on that for a year, putting out a bunch of them. And I think i've been too scattered personally and getting all these different things up and not focused enough on one like i've got i just wrote about it recently i've got a couple plugins started i've got two or three other books i could write i've got a couple courses that are half finished and scripts for videos even and no videos and yeah so my wife and i were talking about that last night focusing harder on a few things for uh you know for the next year and you know forget dropping some of the other things at least at this point or turning them into maintenance mode
0: uh, I think that's, and we talk about this all the time on the show. Is about how the inherent entrepreneurs chasing shiny object syndrome always hits us, and it's just it's just who we are, right? We're creative people uh, by nature. I, you know, what, what is, what's the best balance? There is no balance because if there was a balance, we would never be sort of in this mode of constantly thinking of new ideas and and creating, and and I think it's very hard to tame. Um, you know, there's time blocking, you know, there's 500,000 to-do apps, and I know you and I talk about them all the time. Uh, you know, recently finding tools like Calendly to make booking my time a little bit easier and sort of letting the other person decide and having spots on my calendar. Um, you know, finding those different things is, is great. Um, but you mentioned something earlier that you're starting to build this virtual team I think that one, or maybe not virtual, maybe they're in person, we're going to find out. But uh, when we first interviewed you, it was sort of the solopreneur, the solo developer, not really wanting to be sort of the, the business dis- or the the management, right? You didn't want to get into the management of people. Take us now into this new chapter. Why Why do you want to go down this path and what has building a team done for you?
1: Did I say that I didn't want to manage people before?
0: (laughs) Maybe, you said you definitely didn't want to run an
1: agency. I said I didn't want to, did I, okay. So my, I have one person that is, they're not full-time, but they're regular, so I have an admin assistant who happens to be local. I have tried outsourcing some of these tasks before to utter, complete and utter failure, and so a local uh, woman um, was looking for some extra work, because the bank she's working at, she's only part-time, and... She does a bunch of like, she actually schedules my emails that go out. So I write all the content and just put it in our, in our uh, task management app. And she takes care of writing, say my blog post summary and then getting the email set up and converting over some things for me. So it is still my content, but she takes care of that. She takes care of entering all my receipts. Um, she sends most of my invoices as well so that I don't have to. Cause well, again, most invoices can go, you know, if it goes Tuesday or Wednesday, it's not that big a deal. And that's kind of how her time works, right? I'll say it needs to go on Tuesday, and if it goes Monday, that's fine as well. Typically, so that's my only continuous person. I've hired a few other, like other developers, um, which, and it has turned out good and not good. Partially because I think I have had expectations about how things will run, and then never communicated them. So it's all on me, right? And then I'm like sitting back here, oh, why didn't why did they do this? Why didn't they do that? And then I then as I think about it,
0: because I never told them.
1: Like, it's only your fault if I've told you. If I've never told you, it is entirely my fault.
0: So. Yeah. Let's dissect this uh, scenario for a little bit. Can you tell us why the first round was an utter failure for hiring the person?
1: Oh, like, for my admin assistants? Yeah. yeah. I have tried outsourcing, like, virtual assistants. This is, I think, my third one. Um, the first one, it was an agency in Canada, and they theoretically had... People of varying skills, right? So I think I paid them forty dollars an hour or something, and then people of varying skills, right? Like you hired that agency that was a virtual assistant, and they had someone on there who could do some design, and someone on, the, on there who could do other things. And specifically, we were working on a design project, and it got delayed and delayed and delayed. And then what I finally got back was like, I could have done it. And I said I was a designer once, and I will never show you what I did when I said I was a designer. And I was mad at stuff like putting sliders on there. It's like, I, t- I never said anything about sliders. I don't want the 9,000 social media buttons. Like that's not right. I specifically said no to this earlier. Now I have this everywhere and it was just terrible. So was that a that breakdown
0: Was that a breakdown of their process or were you just not maybe giving them the specs as maybe you you wanted? I was
1: giving them wireframes. So I hope I was giving them specs. Uh, I think it was a breakdown of their process. Like I said, it was months before I even got like a design comp, really. After going back and forth and their one designer abandoned, like took off and then I was with the second one that was recommended by someone there and it was just not great. And uh, my first attempt at outsourcing was not... I went for cheap, 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 right? So the girl I pay, or the sorry, the woman I pay locally, I pay her just a little bit above what she makes at the bank. So,
0: And the, then obviously, because uh, she
1: has to take personal taxes, I pay actually about 25% more. So she actually takes home just a little more than she makes at the bank.
0: One of the things that sort of drives me crazy <laughs> is listening to a lot of, a lot of the other entrepreneur podcasts and internet marketing podcasts and they and they make it so darn easy to tell the crowd, Yeah, yeah, just just go on Odesk, hire somebody, go on Elance, hire somebody. Uh, in fact one of our past guests, which I, I I caught a lot of flack for and I tried to give him a little flack during the show, uh, had also recommended that same thing and I've been there, right? And Uh, I've been there doing it as a consulting thing for a client. Client says, "Hey, uh, I can't hire you. Uh, You know, I can't hire your agency. It's just not in our budget. Maybe you can help us outsource, right?" So I've been there. I've been on ODesk. I've been on Elance, trying to find folks uh, that are affordable for these other, you know, clients. And even I, as I manage a team locally struggle to get to get the point across, to get the project across to these people. I can't even imagine how somebody who doesn't have any of the technical experience or WordPress experience can communicate with somebody else on the other end. Um, language barriers, time barriers, experience barriers, there's so much uh, and I think that some folks are doing a disservice by just uh, quickly recommending that as as the solution and not hiring professionals like you and I.
1: Uh, well, I think what they haven't talked about is their process. Like if it's successful, I was listening to a podcast a while ago and he had like a eight-step process to find someone on Odesk. And I remember listening, I, I don't remember, the, but it was something like you give them like, you have your real project you want and then you make another like small project out of it and you give it to like six people and then you basically whittle them down as you give them more and more responsibility. And by the end of this eighth, the eighth project, you actually can have someone that can do your real project. And I thought about that and I was like, yeah, that would probably work actually. Because you've like can, you know continued to whittle away and whittle away at who's good, right? And even finding someone, this person's really good at say the HTML CSS, this person's good at the back end, so let's get them to do each part, right? Here, here's the design, give me an HTML CSS, this guy can then plug it into WordPress.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And on and as I flip the coin, uh I uh, the editor or the, uh, the, the gentleman who edits the show here, uh, I found through Odesk. and I did the same process, right? I, I put it out there. Uh, I found a bunch of folks from all over the globe, and then I sort of narrowed it down to a couple uh, gents in uh, North America. Um, and then specifically into my time zone because it was just so much easier for me to communicate, he does a great job. Uh, his name's Dave. I recommend him to anybody uh, who wants somebody to uh, edit a podcast. And if you want, it, if you want that information, just email me at mattreportblog at gmail.com and I'll hook you up with Dave. Uh, let's talk about Kurt now. Let's go from okay. You're starting to form that that virtual agency again. What's the what's the goal? What's the vision for forming the team? I I notice you might be moving into an office space. Uh, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, when I say office space, I mean a room slightly larger than what I have now. Because behind me is this curtain, so you don't see like my dog on the bed in the laundry basket. So it would be a room with just me. It would not be like a big agency office or anything.
0: If you I'd want to see room. Curtis's room, go back to the episode that I interviewed him, and then you'll see the room.
1: Yes, you'll see the room. Although my camera was lower at the time, so you see <laughs> closets and stuff. But now the dog's back there, and I know there's laundry and there's a baby crib on the far side. And right, because I have two kids now in a two-bedroom house and my office on one side of the op, on of our room so i've been finding it harder this year to work so office wise it would simply be a room you know a few miles from my house so i can ride my bike over and take it into my office and have a room and in uh, a uh, the local native band has a bunch of extra offices they just don't need so they rent them out extremely
0: cheap very nice very nice um, so you you're not thinking creative agency, 10, 12 people in the room drawing on the walls with whiteboards and stuff like that, scrumming all along.
1: No, no, I think finding good people is hard to find like in any locale, but in my town, which is so sixty miles from Vancouver, where it's two blocks and I can be like looking at a cow. It's hard to find anyone, right? There are a few people that are good in WordPress. So one of the owners of WP Touch Pro is here in town when he's not traveling all over the world. But other than that, there's that's about it. Like I don't don't I don't meet anyone at Vancouver meetups. They're like, oh, you're in Chilliwack too. There's just me, (laughs) as far as I know. Um, So no, I don't think like getting people to move out would be. A viable option or feasible option, and I'm not sure that I want to do that. I think long term, as I think about my agency, and I just, I just think about my life in general. Something I've always loved to do is teach, right? I've been a certified climbing instructor, certified whitewater kayaking instructor. I've taught a myriad of outdoor skills. I've taught lots of just different things in general, and I'm teaching at BCIT, the local college, um, e-commerce and advanced development techniques, and I very much enjoy that. And so, I think long term with an agency, I want to be able to input into people to help them become better. Um, help them to achieve their goals. I read stuff like on-trade Leadership or about other businesses who um, I like are helping their staff. Like, you are you know, you're working for me, say, as a landscaper for the next, you know, two years. I know you really want to be a pilot, and at the end of two years I say, hey, you really want to be a pilot? I got you the, well, here's the lessons that you can take. You can still work for me, and any day you need off to go take your lessons, go take them. That's fine. And I want to be able to do stuff like that to help people succeed, really. Um, and you know, that's going to require having a few employees around so there's more, like more income all over so that I can put some of my own time and, you know, some of their time which would be paid as well into training, into making them better. So even look at some of my students that I teach and would love love to have the income and the work right now to be able to bring them on and, and kind of help them along and learn um, so that they can become better developers and go off and charge, you know, lots for their services because they're skilled.
0: That's awesome. Um, I know one of the things that sort of comes up in the Matterport Pro forums is, you know, folks are afraid to sort of delegate or they just simply don't know how to delegate, sort of like we were talking about before. Maybe the failure or the point of failure was we didn't explain ourselves or we didn't we didn't really set the, the goal uh, of what we wanted from this project. But do you plan on delegating project management, uh, outside sales, that kind of thing to to your staff? Or are you planning on sort of, I'm the face of this agency and I just have a team of people behind me.
1: I'd probably start with development again. Um, So probably the biggest success I've had with my virtual assistant now, my virtual assistant, because I don't see her very often in town, but she is in town, was outlining, here's your three or three, four key performance indicators. If at the end of three months you can do this and I never have to touch them, we are good. Now one thing we found out was not a good fit was booking my time because of how her schedule works. So like sometimes I'll say, hey, book this meet I could say, hey, book this meeting on Monday morning, and Tuesday night is when she got to her email again. So that just was not a feasible option. And so I've moved to Calendly now. And that means just took it out of her realm. But you know, you know whenever my rece- as long as my receipts are all in my my accounting software by the end of the year, I'm happy. Like that's fine, right? If we're off a couple days when I want to look at stuff at the end of the month that is not killing things. So setting those out, and I think I'd set those out even for like a project like key performance indicators. One is, you know, getting it done on time. Two is the client's happy, right? And then, you know, it works. Would I maybe look through some of the code and say I would not build it that way? Sure I would, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. I look at even stuff, say Pippin writes or Justin Santon writes, right? And I think, oh, I wouldn't do that, but they are both solid developers. I trust their code. I would, in there, I, I like, often I'm like, what did I do wrong? I remember actually writing to Tom McFarlane on his blog, he, it's like a year ago, and saying, "Hey, why did you do it this way?" Because I just assumed I was wrong. And when I explained what I did, he was like, "I didn't even know you could do it like that." That is a way better way than what I did. I was like, "Oh, okay." So outlining like those key performance indicators, I think, is how I'd handle it. And I'm not the most. The thing I'm most worried about giving up would be the outside sales, because I want to be particular about who we would work with. Um, but project management and development, I would feel much freer giving up.
0: Yeah, one of the biggest things, or the biggest changes in our, in my agency, was hiring uh, a project manager uh, and sort of giving them the reins to communicate with the client on a on a daily or weekly basis, whatever the project uh, that was was going on. Um, So it was one of the scariest, but one of the best things uh, that we've that we've done, um, or at least that I've done uh, for the agency this year, um, because it just freed up so much more time to go back and do the outside sales and keep the keep the pipeline. Um, flowing. The yeah, And
1: I know talking to agencies that, so I get hired by a few agencies um, for specific e-commerce stuff when it's kind of outside of their team's scope. And I've worked with them enough that they, like I as a subcontractor have free communication with their clients. Like I get on the phone with them and just report back to them. And they say that that is they have told me many times that having someone that they just know they can trust, that isn't going to commit to things for them and that will do the job right it frees them up from project managers. Like they pay me more for a week than they would pay a staff member, but it might probably also take their staff member longer to do some of the specific things that I do. And just giving that up is excellent for them and for their project manager. And their project manager just comes in at the end of the day and says, "Okay, this is what happened, Curtis. Let me know," and you know goes and does the rest of his work for the day.
0: Uh, speaking to that that sort of scenario where you are being hired from another agency, that's one of the things that I recommend to folks who are maybe not just starting out, but trying to find. The right customer for for them for themselves, or kind of learn what it is that they should be really sort of uh, niching down on. Uh, any thoughts on you know having developers or designers sort of go out to these bigger maybe ad agencies or just bigger agencies in general and sort of um, say, hey, look, I'm available at a lesser agency rate uh, if as long as I don't have to deal with the client. Do you think that's a good strategy for folks looking to find their way?
1: Uh, maybe. I'm not sure about the lesser rate thing. Like I don't discount my rates for agencies. They say, I've had a few agencies approach me for pricing. And when I tell them it's $150 an hour, if you want me to do it an hour, they say, but that's more than I charge. That's fine. Like I didn't, I don't care what you charge. Really. This is what I charge. And I have other, I have one freelancer that I work with quite regularly. And when I up my rates, she, Just came back and said, hey, Curtis, I'd love to work with you, but I simply can't afford that. That's just not going to work. So I can't afford this, which is higher than what what I was paying you before, but I can't afford that. And I looked at, again, my overall scope, and it's so easy to work with her as a designer. Like she understands enough about all the technical end that we can have a good discussion about why things don't work, that I said, okay, I can do it for that for you, right? And then all my flat rate stuff goes up, went up for her anyways. But Um, I, I don't know. Like I've lucked into being specific enough at this point that agencies find me when they have a problem, or when I first started out, uh, the guys at WP Touch Pro, so Brave New Code, they were just getting out of agency work, and they just started sending me everything. So I had time, like, I just fell into that. One day they said, hey, you've been in our forums a bit, and, you know, I had met Dwayne locally, and, you know, he seemed, you you have some things to learn, but you're asking all the right questions all the time, so we can send clients to you, and you don't seem like you're crazy. So you will actually (laughs) deal with them well. (laughs) And so they sent me, like, like all, all of my first clients, some of which I still have today, they sent to me because they were just backing out of client work.
0: Uh, so speaking of clients, and again, uh, on this whole journey of sort of going from the solo to the sort of virtual team, what kind of clients are you finding yourself saying no to nowadays? Uh, usually that's the – a lot of folks are afraid to say no, but um, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure when folks start to hear your price point, and they're going to say, I just can't afford it, but can you still do it for 500 bucks? <laughs> How are you managing the nodes uh, and what clients are you, what type of clients are you looking for today?
1: I think what I'm looking for in a client is a client who's looking for an investment, not an expense, right? So a local barbershop is, I just needed up, my website up because someone needs to find my phone number and my hours. It's an expense for them. Whereas a lot of the clients I'm dealing with are larger than, and when they look at Building, say, a new new e-commerce site or a new membership or tweaking their dashboard, they're saying, um, you know, we can save our sales team, you know, five hours a day across ten salespeople by having this new flow on our website where our customers can build all the products and then our sales team can come in for them, right? And now some customers are still going to call them, but they recognize they can save all this time. So this is an investment in saving money, or this is an investment because we will make more because we've increased our conversions, or because we've stopped our site from crashing, or You know, one thing I solved was for another client was their whole deployment process was broken. Every time they went to update the site, it just crashed. Um, Until I came in and we set up a process, and then it didn't crash at all while I was doing anything for them. And then it probably—I don't believe it is now because the guy who picked it up was is a good WordPress developer, and I just had to, you know, teach him our process. That was the only. There was no. There's this is how WordPress works, which is what it was with a lot of their other people. And this guy was this is how we are doing it, and you may have changed it or may have not, but he was a solid developer.
0: Mm. So it, it just sounds like the, the type of client is much more tech savvy, much more, in, uh, you know, they have an existing site. They've already been through probably iterations of designs, developments, launches, that kind of thing. They, they know that they have staging servers behind the scenes and they're uh, not just actively cowboy coding uh, on a live site. How, how do folks find these sort of more technically inclined clients or, or, or can they not level up to that point until they sort of learn themselves and get better at WordPress or coding in general um how can they find this this type of client what's your recommendation
1: I think you just have to put you have to put yourself out there as a certain type of developer right so I know I did a while ago I did an interview on WP Engine I was talking about some of this deployment and other stuff and I had a few clients basically read through that and say we want you to work for us and th- at that point I said oh okay and I actually quoted them like significantly higher than what I was charging at the time. And they are just like, sure, no, not a problem. Cause I was the guy. Um, and even with like say some of the memberships, my typical project now it's been to three or four people who say I can do a, B and C, but if you want to get D done too, you need to go talk to Curtis. Right. And so they've already talked to two or three people that have said, I can do parts of this, but I cannot do that part. And you need to go talk to him. Uh, same with one of the agencies I work for. they, They do a lot of other work, but they come to me when it's that part that their lead developer looks at and goes, eh, we can just get Curtis to do that way faster. You know that he's (laughs) incapable of doing it. He just looks at it and says, Curtis will know how to do that. Like, he'll sit down in a week and build out the API to interface WooCommerce with their custom weird database because he's done it for us two or three times. He builds it in like, you know, five days and it's an expensive five days, but it would take us like a few weeks to do it and it would be a headache, so...
0: No, that's 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 great, and and it's I guess it's one of those things that make it probably a little bit more manageable on your end, right? Because your your sprints are maybe shorter. I'm just taking a guess here, but maybe your sprints are shorter, and it's not like an overwhelming ninety day project. You know that I'm booked for a week, two weeks to do this one specific task, and um, maybe it's more bite size for you, for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, with the some of the agencies I, I work with, yes, with the one that had the terrible deployment process. I remember sitting there and looking at their first to-do list and laughing and saying, you need me for more than two weeks. And I said, no, two weeks. And so six weeks later, because I left four weeks free time, because I knew they needed me for more than two weeks. They were like, are you done? You mean you have other work? And I was like, guys, I couldn't leave like more than four weeks blank. That was even a big risk. And they said, yeah, you're right. So them, it was everything from getting started off, getting the deployment process down to like building a myriad of custom plugins to profiling the WordPress admin with, you know, advanced profiling tools and starting to write some unit tests for some of their plugins as well, because they were having issues with some of their older plugins and they had other developers that were not good, again, good developers. So they did, they built software, but not WordPress developers. So their guys came in and made it work, but it was not consistent enough.
0: So one of the, one of the things that, um, just to pull you back down to sort of um, the maybe the freelancers and the and the and the folks that are just getting started, maybe building more brochureware sites and, and dealing with a smaller business. A lot of the time times there'll be you know earth-shattering consequences. If all of a sudden you told a client that it was going to be two weeks and then it ended up being six weeks, that client would be in an outrage saying, one, they can't afford it, two, they don't know why it didn't get to that point. Uh, Because they certainly don't understand technology. How do you negotiate or how do you let that type of client know that, look, I might have said two weeks, you might be thinking two weeks, but guess what, pal, we're in this knee deep now, we need to go another four. Um, What's your advice when you get into that situation? How do you sort of let the client know ahead of time that you're going to be going maybe 200% over original budget?
1: It's tough. I do very good at sticking to original budget, even if it takes me extra time. If there has been no like, no real change in scope, then I'm pretty close all the time, even if that means absorbing something. Um, and I've always been like that. There have certainly been times where I look at this and say, hey, you want this, and it's, cr- it's this feature that I didn't expect to be crazy. Here's why it's all crazy, and it's going to cost extra. Um, And I just, I think the biggest thing is not being afraid and communicating right away. Like as soon as you know, let them know. I know on one three week project on Monday, I spent all Monday on a bug and I emailed the client at the end of the day and said, you will see no progress today because I spent all Monday on a bug. And it was something like a comma. It was literally like a comma missed bug. One of those ones where you see it all day and you're like, it's a comma. And they were upset and I like, I don't want to pay for bugs. And I wrote back and I said, then you need to stop doing custom software development bugs are a process bugs happen there's nothing you can do about it i will do my best to keep us on track but bugs happen if you do want no bugs and you don't want to pay for it then stop doing custom software development buy something off the shelf and live with whatever it doesn't do because that is simply what it has to be now it's harder with the smaller clients right um that was actually that was my first project with them but i'm doing a second project with the same guy and we communicate quite freely like if even as i write about business he writes back and says well this is what i think about it and we have Even some of my back and forth blog posts on that have been like I've written to him and then I've written it as a blog post as well. Um, But with smaller clients, it's hard because they're they're not viewing it as an investment. And it's harder to even get them to transition to that, right? You don't like say that barbershop. It's hard to get them to transition. Does he know how much his client is actually worth? Like how long when he gets a brand new client, does he know how long they stay? How much are they worth over their lifetime? He has no idea. So getting them to think about that. Is what you need to do. So it is an investment, right? Saying like, oh, I can bring in you know ten or fifteen new people to you a month because you're actually going to show up on search, right? How much is that worth to you? I know haircut for me is like twenty, almost thirty dollars because I tip my guy well because I've been seeing him for a long time. So I go every month. That's ten people, so it's three hundred bucks a month. Theoretically, that's you know at least worth something. Not worth a lot necessarily, but if you could again do more than that, then and that's how what you have to talk in price anchoring, right? You're a car salesman. I'm sure you've read lots of analogies like that. You go and find a car for 10000 you talk it down to 8000 you got a good deal, and you go to the next lot and you see the same car for $8,000. and it is no longer a good deal. You now got <laughs>
0: swindled, right? That is correct. I- I'm glad you did bring this up uh, because it's going to be a great transition or, or uh, segue over to talking about uh, the product pricing, especially in today's WordPress world, themes, plugins, and that kind of thing. But the important thing for freelancers to remember is I, I was just at uh, WordPress Press Boston meetup, or the Boston WordPress meetup, and uh, a gentleman approached me afterwards. He was so excited to be launching uh, his his new business, and he couldn't wait to sort of get out there and say, you know, and he came up to me after. He's like, look, this is, WordPress is awesome. It's allowing me to do all these kinds of things for clients, and I'm going to, and he said the same thing that you said. He's like, I'm going to go after my barber. I'm going to go after these this these restaurants that I that I frequent all the time that have awful websites. My barber doesn't even have a website, and he was saying the same thing. You know, my haircut was I think maybe forty bucks with tip, and blah blah blah, so on and so on. And I'm like, the the biggest issue here is that return on investment for that customer, they're not even going to see it. They don't understand it. They don't have the time because they're running their own business. They don't they're have. They're tracking IT, it either, right? Right, they're not, not tracking. up like
1: the bill saying, "How did I? How did you find me? Oh, on the website. Awesome. A tick box, even to see I found ten new people this week from the website. That was awesome. They're just this is how much it costs for a haircut. This is how much it costs for a meal.
0: Right, and and especially restaurants. Like everyone looks at restaurants and they think, "Oh God, restaurant sites are awful. Well, that's because they run on such slim margins that they can't hire. You know, most of them anyway can't hire folks like you and I and folks listening to the podcast because they just there's no room right you could sit there and consult with them for hours upon a, a, the month and you could say if you spent $5000 with me i can make you 15000 over the course of the next 90 days guess what they're not going to do it um most of them anyway but what you said was interesting is don't do custom software development you know buy something off the shelf let's talk about that let's talk about wordpress themes and pro- and plugins and products and and stuff like that i mean do you think that this sort of shift to charging a little bit more to to get better product, is is that true right now? Do you think that things are going well? Do you think prices should go up? What's Curtis's take on the theme industry or plugin industry?
1: And as a developer, I look at the plugins I pay for development tools like Migrate DB Pro, and I know, like, on my original cost, I was I, let's say it was one hundred dollars. It was cheaper than it is now. And when the renewal came up at I think it's one ninety now, I just was like, yeah, okay, it saves me. Like I charge one hundred fifty dollars an hour. If it saves me an hour in a month. It easily saves me an hour a week, I would say. <laughs> and then even like for clients, they're like, can you migrate my site? And I'll set up a client onto a staging site and a development site and record a screencast and say, so just click this button and you're done. Like I don't have to do anything anymore for that. And that lets them long-term feel like they're better taken care of. Um, they even use that as I, they want to back stuff up and test plugin upgrades. Well, just click this button and then, and then do that. Like Upgrade your plugins and then if then, something breaks in your test site. So I look at like that as a business tool and that's no problem. But there's other things. Again, I think it's hard to get the clients that want to pay, I want to pay $25 for a theme and they're, it's not an investment. Their site is not an investment then. It is an expense, right? So to say, okay, themes are a hundred bucks now. It's going to be harder to convince them that a hundred bucks is worth it. And I, like I'd pay a hundred bucks for a theme or hundred or more for a theme even um, that was well-built. It's so finding the well-built ones. There's only three or four agencies that I would, or theme shops that I would even look at, right? And only one of them puts their stuff on ThemeForest. Yeah, the rest of them are not on ThemeForest or have left ThemeForest at this point. I know one, so I have one client, long-term client, they run a music, um, like a music venue in Dallas, and they have a restaurant as well, and so they bought um, a Inexpensive theme, and then they had me look at it, right? And I actually worked with them for years, and we looked at the Theme Forest theme, and it was like gaping security holes. You could put anything you wanted in any form or any input anywhere, and it would all just spit out your code no matter what you put in. And so we spent $3,000 making it safe, essentially. And I told them, like, after a security audit, I said, This is the issues. If you trust your people on the back end, then all this stuff is technically safe. Just don't be dumb. And they said, No, just fix it all. And so it did not, we could have built the whole thing and it loads crazy slow and all this other stuff because it's got 9 million options, right? But so it did not save them any money. And again, with that restaurant, I'm not sure what the margins are, but I know that the music venue does well. So maybe that the initial build was probably financed by the music venue.
0: What What makes a well-built product that Curtis would buy? For those in the audience who are who want to build a product that Curtis would buy, what is well-built to you?
1: Uh, documentation is one of the big things. Like we'll say code has to be at a certain level, right? I look at code from some plugins that I still use and I look at it and, um, and think like the person, they write code well for where they're at, but they, you know, I would write it better because I've been writing code for longer, right? It's not terrible. There's no gaping security holes, but it's not as optimized as I would. So putting that aside, you know, code is a certain level. Documentation is a big thing. I know like, honestly, the WooCommerce documentation is, absolutely retarded. It's terrible. It's, you look through it and you're like, great, I have a list of all the function. I have gener- auto-generated function documentation. Developers, that is not documentation. That is a stab at saying you have documentation. That is like putting a social media button on your site and saying you have a social strategy. You don't. You put a social <laughs> media button on your site. So auto-generating your documentation is, you can say, I have documentation. That's it. It's just a way to th- you know check a box off. Documentation So I'm releasing a plugin hopefully soon. I keep getting sidetracked by life in general. But I'm putting it, my documentation includes, um, I'm not even going to do auto-generated documentation, although I could, but I'm manually documenting each hook and filter and I'm providing examples for each one. I'm recording screencasts on every part of the admin UI, like putting your license key in. This is how you do it. This is how you, uh, you know, this is how you do every portion of the whole admin UI. And I'm also writing it as well. So it's like for each video, there's a like all the written instructions with screenshots at the same time. Because some people will want to watch the video and some people will want to read it, right? And that's even when I blog about like WordPress and technical topics, I most of the time do both, right? If I'm doing a screencast, it's not, it is not just a screencast with three sentences about what the screencast does. It is all the code as well and fully like full written. So that's the big thing that I look at for documentation. And then support, you'll see. I know a few plugins out there where the support is just absolutely utterly really useless. And as I'm teaching, I'll tell students that I'm like, if you can pick this up and just run with it, great, because you're never going to hear about the developer from support. They're gonna, you know, send you one link and expect you to make a leap from some some non-technical topic to like this hugely in-depth technical topic, and you're simply not going to. So P- Pippin does awesome on support. I know I was talking with even one of the students who sent Pippin a support while he was supposed to be on vacation um on saturday night and they had a response when they woke up sunday morning. So
0: is is it fair to say that support um, what 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 is a good level of support for a for an advanced developer like you is it safe to say that like you just said in, in 24 hours I got a response is that respectable are you as an advanced developer looking for you know if you were the one that sent in the request looking for it at the in the same day um, what is uh, a good level of support? I, probably,
1: I think most advanced developers need all, the least support. Like, so I buy. I have a bunch of Pippin's products I've got, but like most of the time I'm like, hey, Pippin, this is what I think the bug is. Here's some code that I think fixes the bug. It fixes it on my install. And he says, oh, here's the GitHub repository if you, if you don't mind putting it in, right? And I'll create an issue and I'll create a pull request. And so a bunch of his even premium products I have access to on the GitHub side and have patched as well. Even thinking, and I recognize that I am not the most important thing that Pippin does every day. I am not the like his world does not revolve around some bug that I found, and so I'll like I'll send him an email on Thursday. Even just recently, I sent him an email on, I think a Wednesday, and he got back to me the next day about it. And then we had I, I sent it, responded to him, and on Monday I hadn't heard anything, so I just replied again and said, "Hey, like, do you have any?" This is the last thing I'm waiting for. And at that point, he decided to take it to a chat and like let's chat. And he fixed it like right there for me, but. I, I think other non-technical people are less, are more demanding than that, right? They want like overnight that. I responded, where are you? I know Pippin, I think Pippin has said he had someone knock on his door once. I was like, what? <laughs> I <I've> certainly have <laughs> had people like look up his his you know blocked phone number, right? And I, again, I have access to Pippin or other developers in many different ways because I have their personal email addresses, not their work or their personal phone numbers and I never call them. Like, that's just totally out of bounds as far as I'm concerned. If they were to call me about it because I submitted a bug, fine. That's their choice. Yeah, reasonable support. That
0: that is scary, uh, having somebody knock on your door. We have people call us all the time uh, at the agency because they look up at the agency phone number for the themes that they purchase. um, And we just say on our voicemail when it comes in through the Google number that we just don't support, you know, the $40, $50 theme purchase uh, over the phone. Uh, but happy to help you through through our documented help desk and all that fun stuff. Uh, we're getting close on time here. Uh, I'm gonna sort of start to wrap it up. What is your uh, what's your outlook for the next six months? What are you excited for uh, in your world? Oh, and can you can you tease or plug what you're what you're building uh, for the plugin, or is that top secret?
1: Uh, no, it's not top secret. I've done a screencast that essentially shows it off. Oh, okay. Um, if people were paying attention, I was showing you how to do something else than Easy Digital Downloads, and like all the documentation for it, and the description was right on my screencast. So, like an Easter, it has not been a fish. It's a. It is like an Easter egg. Um, it's going to be a rest, um restricted content plugin for WooCommerce, or it is, uh, because using the current like groups plugin, groups is terribly slow. Number one, and. It's like, it's terrible to set up, right? It's like five steps to set up. Set up your role, set up this, set up that. Whereas this one, if you've used uh, restricted content for easy digital downloads, works almost exactly the same. You go to your page, you pick your product, you hit save, you're done. So it supports BBPress as well. Um, There's say there's a bit of documentation to finish up and one tweak to the plugin for licensing upgrades. And then I won't have time now, but later on it will also support uh, BuddyPress as well is my plan, so already supports BB Press out of the box.
0: Awesome, looking forward to that, and, and what, is that the most exciting thing coming down the pipe uh, in the next six months, or do you got something else you're excited about? I'm going to the beach this afternoon, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> There's beaches in Canada? There
1: are beaches in Canada, although yeah. they do have igloos and snow, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Beach just means the ice is thawed enough, you can hack through it quickly. That's awesome. I, w- I want to wrap up with just one final question. This is more geeky and more inside baseball, but tons of WordPress podcasts out there and you and I have been chatting about it for a while. Uh, you know, what do you think? What do you think? More podcasts coming? Uh, should there be different types of podcasts? Uh, can I hit you up for some free consulting and say what I should be doing differently for the WordPress podcast space?
1: I think that there are lots of podcasts out there, but there are very few useful ones and so even with this show, there are just some guests that you're always going to hit that I'm just going to look at and be like, eh, no, not for me. And I think any interview show is going to hit that for some other market, right? I get every episode all the time because there are still, you know, six, well, probably 70, 80, 90%, depending on exactly what span of time I look at, that I like all the guests. So, you know, maybe three in a row, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. But, you know, the rest, you know, the next for the six months, I like them all. Um, I think most of the rest of the WordPress podcasts, as I've blogged about, are let's talk about drinking at the last WordCamp, let's talk about drinking at a future WordCamp, and let's talk about gossip in the middle, which I did in high school, and that was really boring then. So they are just not useful for any of my time. I have way better things to do, like massage my beard, than listen to people reminisce about <laughs> drinking, <laughs> gossip, and talk about drinking again. Like it's a total waste of my time. Um, I just aren't trying to think. Apply filters is great. Um, I love the developer talk in that. And there's one other one. Uh, They just interviewed uh, Andrew Nason, I think, was the most recent one. They interviewed Andrew Norcross before that. I don't remember the name. It's got a black cover and like a red, green, and blue symbol. I can certainly find the link for your show notes if you want because it's in my pod
0: feed over on my side. Awesome, awesome. Well, Kurt, it's been some great stuff. Uh, You know, tremendous amounts of advice uh, as always. Um, You know, again, the second interview, hoping to do many more with you. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks?
1: Uh, You can find my site where I write about business at curtismichael.ca. And then my agency site is sfndesign.ca.
0: Awesome. And uh, ETA on that plugin getting released?
1: Uh, Hopefully next week. Hopefully (laughs) next week. I say that because I've got got student assignments to mark this week. And I was talking about it last night with my wife. I have a a lot to do this week. So next week, hopefully. Although, again, I have my WordCamp presentation to finish off.
0: Awesome. Well, by the time that cool. this is published, which might be two weeks from today, hopefully the plugin will be available and you can go and find it uh, and, and take a look at it and purchase it uh, to solve, uh, solve all your needs uh, for WooCommerce. And that, and would
1: then all SFN Design. that would be on SFNDesign.ca.
0: Awesome. Uh, Curtis, thanks again. Everybody else who's listening, uh, maraport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. That's the number one way to sh- support the show. Then if you're looking to sort of uh, bring your WordPress business to the next level, check out maraport.com slash join. Join the business community uh, of WordPress entrepreneurs like yourself, uh, pro forums, monthly mastermind calls, which Curtis is a fan of, uh, and all other fun stuff inside the pro section. So thanks a lot, uh, and we'll see you next time.